This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Night one of the NFL draft is in the books. A lot of trades, some surprises, some things we weren't expecting. We're here to break it all down. And across the way is Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, welcome. Night one of the NFL draft in the books. Yeah, I mean, it's Christmas, right? And um, we got all the goodies. We got to unwrap all the presents. We got to find out, um, you know, landing spots for some of our favorite players with even more, uh, even more to come. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump right in here and, and get started. Panthers made the, the pick that we all expected, selecting quarterback Bryce Young out of Alabama. We've talked a lot about Bryce Young, right? The problem solving, the mental processing, the ability to play off structure, the accuracy, everything about him besides the size and the frame, I think, check out as, as a guy who could be a franchise quarterback. I think the first surprise came second pick, Houston selecting C.J. Stroud. There had been so much smoke that they weren't in on C.J. Stroud. We don't, we'll never know if this was a, you know, a group decision, if this was an owner-led decision, but they get the quarterback that you can make the case, arguably the best accuracy and ball placement in the in this draft class. And number three, the Texans trade back up. And they paid a price for that trade back up. You know, they came back up there and it, it cost them, right? They traded the number, uh, they traded their number 12 pick, the 33rd pick, which early in the second round, a 2024 first and a 2024 third for the third pick and 105 to grab Will Anderson. Obviously one of the best edge rushers in this class. I don't think he's on a level of like the Bosa brothers or, or guys like that. I think... He's a little bit more of a guy who wins with his play strength, his physicality and toughness. He's not an elite bender or elite guy who's going to flatten, you know, the, the, the pass rush off the, off the, up, off the arc. But he's a guy who arguably was the best defensive player in this draft class, not named Jalen Carter. They make the bold move up and get what most likely must have been their number two and number three players on their board. The Colts. All the smoke about Will Levis, it was all smoke. They do the right thing. They take Anthony Richardson, a favorite of ours. Uh, so much we love about him. We don't have to go into much depth right there. And then the Seahawks, I think, make a, another surprise. Most people had them pegged maybe Jalen Carter, maybe a quarterback. They go the number one cornerback in Devin Witherspoon. The size, the frame, the the instincts, the play strength, the toughness and physicality. Uh the clear, I think, quarterback one when you take it uh, take away the traits that Christian Gonzalez possessed. Witherspoon was the guy that offered the best package of cover skills, the ability to play and run support, and that tenacity and toughness that he played with, I think, really probably stood out to the Seahawks. So, Jeff, let me bring you in there. Obviously, Bryce Young was chalk. So if you have any thoughts on that, please share. But I think the, the big things here were C.J. Stroud at two. All the other stuff was just smoke. And then Anthony Richardson at four. If you anything you want to share about Anderson and the trade up for the Texans or Witherspoon, uh, go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this this offseason lead up to the draft, you know, it's always a crazy, you know, a crazy ride up and down. I mean, somebody had uh, posted the other day, Will Levis odds to go pick one or two, you know, jumped in betting books because some guy on Reddit said some dude he <laughs> knew who knew Will Levis, you know, was telling his family. Right. Like, I mean, that's just how crazy this gets. Um, and, and I think if you just kind of take a step back, look at it the way we looked at it going into this process a couple months ago, um, it's, it was a kind of a pretty chalk first first five picks. Young, Stroud, Anderson. You know, I do think Richardson is maybe a little bit of a surprise there. But, you know, those listening, they're not surprised. You know, you kind of tongue in cheek said they they did the right thing they made the right pick um i'm really interested to see how that develops i'm excited for indianapolis i'm excited for shane steichen um and and the type of offense that he's going to bring there i i I do think that in my mind is the right pick and quite fascinating i'll just say will anderson work i mean i think he went where we expected him to go but in the draft but i that was a big um that was a big cost to move up uh, to select him where, you know, I do think there are other capable, you know, defenders that, you know, have gone 
and and drop to value in the draft that we'll talk about tonight. And I just I don't know if I'm Houston, I'm not giving up my 2024 20, first round pick because that that might be a Caleb Williams pick. I, I know they just picked CJ Stroud, but you know that that would be a haul. And I just don't know that I'm willing to to bet that my franchise is turned around, you know, right off the bat with these picks. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was surprised at how aggressive. To me, that's like a if you make a move like that, that's not for a quarterback. To me, it's for like an elite, elite level pass rusher, like a Miles Garrett when he was coming out, or even the Boses. Like, I don't think Will Anderson is looked at that level. Like, I don't even think he was looked at as like as highly regarded as like Bradley Chubb when he came out. Like, you know, he's looked at as a good prospect, a very good prospect. But I, I think when people looked at this draft class, take the quarterbacks out of discussion, I think they sort of true two true blue chippers. And I don't think Will Anderson was one of those names. To me, you kept coming back to Jalen Carter, B. John Robinson, right? Those were the two definitive on-film blue chippers. Will Anderson, a very good prospect. They paid a hefty price to go get him. And I do wonder if there was – that's where I do wonder, was it like the, the GM coach maybe wanted Will Anderson to be the pick at two? Maybe they were – out, maybe they were basically told by ownership, no, go get me a quarterback, go get me C.J. Stroud. And the agreement was, okay, if we do that, then we're going to be really bold and aggressive and come up because we also want to get Will Anderson as well. So it's really fascinating and interesting to kind of see how that played out. And if Will Anderson is Von Miller or Khalil Mack, no one's going to care about that price. But if he's just a good pass rusher and then they're picking in the top five next year and that pick goes over to Arizona – that's that I think is going to be one that's looked at and it's like, man, they gave up a lot. It wasn't just that first, right? It was it was the early second this year, too. I almost think if, it, if that first was included, that should have been the end of it. It should have been you swap three and 12 and you get our first next year. No conditions. But they still got the first one of the first picks in round two and tomorrow night and the future third like that really adds up to be a haul uh, when you're talking about a guy who I think is a very good prospect, but not a special prospect. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Let's keep this going at number six. The Cardinals, after making the other trade where they picked up a lot of assets, they moved back up to select offensive tackle Parrish Johnson. Great size, average frame, good athleticism and movement skills, uh, average play strength, better blocker and space at the point of attack. Really high ceiling. But there's a lot of refinement to his game. I know Greg Cosell, who I respect his opinion tremendously, had a lot of question marks about Paris Johnson. He didn't really view him as a top of the first round type tackle. He liked Dewan Jones better. We usually don't see the first tackle come off the board have this many question marks, right? It's always a hard position. But Evan Neal, Icky Akanwu, those guys last year did not have this many question marks or concerns about him. And they gave up. Uh, pick 34, they swapped 6 and 12, and then they gave up pick 34, an early second rounder, and then a fifth rounder. So they paid a pretty good price, you know, moving up six spots. It didn't cost them a future one, but it did cost them one of their first picks in the second round, and then a future five. Uh, I, I don't love the Johnson move there. I know they wanted him. I know that they were connected there, maybe even as high as three. So maybe they, the way they looked at it is if they were thinking about taking him at three, they get that haul from Houston to move back. They didn't mind giving up a second to go up and get their guy if they were thinking about taking him at pick three if they stay tight. At seven, the Raiders take Tyree Wilson, the 4-3 defensive end. He's kind of like the prototypical Patriots pick, and so much of the Patriots are, are in Vegas right now. Uh, good athleticism, movement skills, but he's got that great length, that play strength, the toughness, very good in run support. Uh, there was some buzz that he can go as high as two. He falls there to seven. Atlanta makes the first really sexy fantasy pick that we were maybe didn't know where he would come off the board. And that's, they go with the running back, B. John Robinson, good size and frame, great athleticism. We know that B. John's the best, you know, the total package, right? Maybe the best running back prospects in Saquon. Some people might say better than Saquon. You put him in that offense, which had success last year running with Tyler Algier. The sky's the limit for B. John Robinson. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch and see how impactful he is. Uh, so they make the pick that I think they really wanted that. I think that was the guy that they had targeted for a while now. Uh, as a Giants fan, the next pick, nothing infuriated me more than the Eagles trading up one spot and taking arguably the best player on film in this draft, which is Jalen Carter out of Georgia. You know, 
the complete package, one of the two true blue chippers in this class, versatile to play up and down the defensive line. He's got a great athleticism for his size, his play strength. For him, it's all about the off the field stuff and is the motor constantly running, you know, hot enough that he's that he's going to stay on the course. And if he stays on course, and I think that locker room playing next to Jordan Davis, the other Georgia players there, they drafted his friend later on. We'll get to it. But like, I think it's the perfect landing spot to get the best out of Jalen Carter. And when you think about it, he's arguably going to the team. The Eagles are probably the most talented team on paper. I don't think anyone would argue. I know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but the Eagles are probably the most talented team on paper. And then they went and legitimately got arguably the best player in the in the NFL draft. It's it's just wild at the success they've had in the stockpiling things. And, and to continue tonight, Chicago moves back one spot, takes Darnell Wright. Arguably the best right tackle in the draft. Uh, good run blocker, power run scheme. Uh, they clearly won to f- surround Justin Fields with a better line. I think they had targeted him and they were willing to move down. So, Jeff, thoughts there? The, the Eagles landing Jalen Carter, Falcons landing Bijan. Uh, I think those are the two big things probably there maybe to expand upon. Yeah, I mean, yes, Philly is probably – the best landing spot for Jalen Carter. You know, I, I think maybe the only other one that would be right up there is Seattle, right? Which is where he, he got mocked to Seattle a lot. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I, I think that that whole sort of legal issues that came up in, in his off season were by all accounts refuted by, all his teammates, everybody around him, everybody who knew him, you know, talked about the character of, of this guy. And, and so it's, you know, I think it's a home run of a pick. Um, You know, I think it's phenomenal. I think, um, you know, if we go, you know, down on the fantasy angle, you know, Bijan Robinson is going to walk into a massive uh, workload for Atlanta. I mean, we, you know, we know, that Arthur Smith, you know, piloted the Derrick Henry-led Tennessee offense. Um, it's not like, you know, they have some good pass catchers, but I don't, I don't think they're going to trust uh, <laughs> uh, trust Ritter to throw the ball, you know, 500 times. So, you know, I think we're seeing, you know, kind of like what we would have seen in, you know, Baltimore in the early Lamar years. And we're going to see a lot of running the ball, um, a lot of Bijan Robinson. It's going to be, you know, he's going to be the face of the franchise for right now. And it's going to be, that's really exciting for fantasy, regardless of how talented the team is around him or not. Um, I might just take this two more, two more picks here because I had some commentary. So Peter Skaronsky, uh offensive tackle out of Northwestern, goes to Tennessee. Jameer Gibbs, uh, running back out of Alabama, goes to Detroit at 12 within another shocking pick. So I'll let you go through their profiles, but I just had to comment. Detroit traded out of pick six with Arizona to get, you know, you know, to to drop down a few picks, get a get some of that draft capital back at another early day two pick. But if you're gonna pick a running back this early in the draft, and I, I love Jameer Gibbs. I think he's an extremely talented mover, but he's not in the same stratosphere as Bijan Robinson. And I don't know that the return they got for trading back, which was, I think, pick 34, you know, I think an early day two pick, which is going to be a really valuable piece. But if you're going to, if you were going to take that swing and say, this is the piece that we're missing for our offense, just take B. John Robinson. Like you said, one of two blue chippers. If you're going to take it, if you're going to go running back early with your first pick, just take B. John Robinson. Um, Anyways, why, why don't you go through give your commentary on that, give Gibbs profile. And I want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to get into that. Cause I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. I think you're one of the only people that's really talking about it. people are surprised about the Gibbs, but I don't think a lot of people are saying, well, if that's what you were thinking, why not be John? Yeah. I think the Titans, you know, I think they wanted Anthony Richardson or a trade up for CJ Stroud. You know, clearly they weren't willing. Maybe if Stroud was there at three, they would have been more aggressive than the Texans were, and they would have went up and got their guy. I think that's who they wanted. If they were, if if, if it was Richardson who they wanted, they would have been aggressive in coming up for him because we knew they were talking to Arizona. 
Uh, and I'm sure they would have matched that price that Houston gave up if it was for a quarterback that they loved. So I, I think that quarterback that they must have loved with C.J. Stroud, not Anthony Richardson. So they go for, I think, arguably one of the safest players in the draft, and Peter Skaronsky. It'll be interesting to see if they think he's offensive tackle or offensive guard. I think we, we kind of go around this every once in a while. We get a prospect like this, whether it's Brandon Sheriff, whether it's Zach Martin, Pro Bowl, all pro type guard or good tackle, right? And I think that the, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what the, what the Titans do there. And then Jameer Gibbs, you talked about it. I continue, and finally today, somebody – also shared the the comp of Austin Eckler with Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points. Uh, that's to me who Jameer Gibbs reminds me of. You know, great receiver, make you miss, the home run speed, great vision. You know, but what you said I think resonates. If you really wanted the running back. Now, listen, I don't know if the Lions were, were set in on Devin Witherspoon. And then when Seattle kind of surprised people, they kind of like, all right, let's get out of here. And maybe they didn't have a contingency plan. Because I didn't see many mocks thinking Witherspoon could go off the board before six. So is it possible that they were really caught off guard by that? And then they took the trade and then they started to reassess the board? Maybe. But that seems like a real lack of preparation for an NFL organization. Uh, and the Lions kind of have their ducks in a row lately. And I think have been a team on the upswing. But, but tonight, the, the picks they made were a little head-scratching. We'll get into the linebacker later. It was a good player. I just think no positional value sense here. And if you were going to, like you said, if you were going to go off the reservation in terms of positional value, then why not just stay? I, to me, whoever you're going to get tomorrow in the top of the second, them and, and Jameer Gibbs, I don't think is something I'd rather prefer over B. John Robinson. I mean, so, you might have gotten right- Jameer Gibbs at the you know, pick 34 too. Why, you know, why not yeah. why take him at 12? Or at least, you know, if you miss out on him at pick 34, you have more picks to go ahead and get another player who could, if, you're, if your goal was to compliment David Montgomery, there were so many other players that you could have picked at a much better value to do that. Not as talented as Gibbs, but, you know, I, I do like this from an NFL sense as far as a schematic um, personnel fit of rounding out a running back room. You know, I, you know, I don't think Bijan fits that, um, fills it out in a as much of a dynamic way as Gibbs does when you have Montgomery already there as their big signing this offseason. So I understand it from a logic perspective. And if there was a hole on that roster, you know, I know people really like DeAndre Swift. It seems like Detroit wasn't, you know, isn't too high on it. They're, they're rumored to be trading him or shopping him around. Um, you know, those are the picks that I would I would think about running back, linebacker on that roster. But but yeah, yeah, I just um I you know, I think if if you don't want a running back, sit at six and pick Jalen Carter, right? Like or or pick Tyree Wilson if you wanted more of an edge to to pair with Hutchinson. I I just think there were so many other ways Detroit could have went. And you know, my my friends in Michigan, they I think they said the same thing once once Seattle shocked uh, with the Witherspoon pick, I just don't think they had a, a plan B. Yeah. I mean, they had arguably a chance at two of the blue chippers, right? The two blue chippers and Jalen Carter and B. John, and they didn't go there. And and to me, they're going to get back at best. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see it tomorrow night or on Saturday. My guess is they're going to get a date for a pick for DeAndre Swift. At this point, you know, with how good this running back class is and how many good running backs are going to fall to round four, round five, they're going to be at best to be able to, they're either going to get like a pick swap where like they give a four, you know, they give a like, you know, someone gives them a four and they give like a six in DeAndre Swift or something like that. Or maybe at best they get a four or five for him. Like that's probably where this is headed. So, you know, we won't get into fantasy implications too much tonight, but DeAndre Swift, you know, he's basically shipped he's basically sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Like, it's hard to imagine he's got much fantasy value. We thought that David Montgomery hurt his fantasy value, but now whatever happens from here, I don't see a scenario where he's going to get traded for like a fifth or fourth round or fifth round pick and have an integral part uh, in an offense. So talking about a guy whose dynasty value is once really high, it's, it's going down and going down hard, but we'll see the ramifications once, you know, he's traded somewhere. I'll keep this going. The Packers at 13 select Lucas Van Ness. Uh, versatile defensive lineman. I think he's best suited as a 4 3 defensive end. He's kind of like a mold of clay. Like, there's a lot you can do with him. He's got high level athleticism. He's very strong. Packers love those type of guys. So, very Packer esque pick there. 
14, the Steelers trade up and select offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Good size and frame, great athleticism, good footwork, lateral quickness, great length, good hand usage, good run blocker, a lot of upside there. To me, Broderick Jones, Paris Campbell, marginal difference between the two of them. Cardinals had to move back up to six. Steelers make a small move up. They get their guy who maybe is equally as talented as Paris Campbell. So I like that move for the Steelers. They needed to fortify that offensive line. Jets with a little bit of a surprise pick here. Take Will McDonald, the 3-4 edge rusher. I'll say this about it. While I thought he was going to go more mid to late 20s, I do think you can make the case he's the best natural pure pass rusher. Speed off the edge, the ability to bend, flat in the corner, flat in the arc. That's Will McDonald. And so the Jets wanted to pair him, uh, Johnson from last year, right, when they got him late round one. McDonald's a completely different style player. This is that first step quickness, that explosion. They looked at that as maybe I would have went Kalaja Kansi or Jackson Smith in the Jigba if I was the Jets. But but I get what they what they like about Will McDonald. They always thought he was going round one due to the athleticism and upside. Uh, arguably the least surprising pick of the day besides Bryce Young was the commanders selecting Emmanuel Forbes. If you are someone who follows this closely, something must have leaked yesterday because last night Daniel Jeremiah's mock came out. Forbes leapfrogged all the other corners from not being in the in the in the first round mocks of anybody going 16 to the commanders. Then Dane Brugler had it this morning. Then Todd McShay had it this morning. So clearly info got out that the commanders had basically targeted Emmanuel Forbes. He was all of a sudden in everyone's round one mocks. I thought I was kind of throwing people for a surprise having him in my top 31 projection, but the ball skills, the ball production is special. It, the only question about him is the, is the wiry frame. Uh, clearly the commanders are not that concerned. They make him the third cornerback off the board, which a, a couple days ago w- would have been a big surprise. Uh, Patriots at 17 select Christian Gonzalez. Most people a couple weeks ago thought he was going to be the first cornerback taken. Then most people thought he was a lock to be the second quarterback taken. Uh, Patriots move back, picked up after draft extra draft capital and get arguably the guy with the most high end traits of any of the cornerbacks, uh, but not nearly as as physical a player as Devin Witherspoon. Uh, some development and refinement needed, but high end traits at pick 18. The lines we talked about before go back to the well. Not caring about positional value, take inside linebacker Jack Campbell. He's clearly the best pure linebacker. The other linebackers that were talked about being first rounders, you know, uh, Sanders and Trenton Simpson are not the, the traditional type linebackers. They're more, you know, the athletic mold. Sanders is more like part pass rusher, part linebacker. Simpson's is that, you know, not at the level, you know, of other players we've seen that don't have a true position. He's a linebacker, but he's all about athleticism. Uh, he's not going to be a guy who's great in terms of run support. Campbell's that guy, and he fits their their personality a lot. It just really seemed early. The pick they got, that other pick they got in the in the early 30s, we were talking with in the Jameer Gibbs trade. I think they could have got Jack Campbell there and taken a, a more valuable position here at 18, potentially one of the corners because the corners really fell hard in this. And if they were I and Devin Witherspoon, surprised they didn't either take Deontay Banks or Joey Porter here and then look to maybe get Campbell early second round. The Bucks at 19 take Kalaja Kansi, the undersized pass rushing pre-tech. Love the athleticism, movement skills, upfield penetrator. Can can make plays against the run in the backfield, but he's he was drafted there to be a pass rushing interior defensive tackle. And then let's stop there for a second before so we can gather ourselves before it was the wide receiver run. Jeff, any thoughts from uh where were it? Thirteen to nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, thirteen to nineteen. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I had the exact same thoughts. I, I was like looking through, I was like, we can't break up this wide receiver run. So uh, we'll stick on really what was um, a bunch of teams putting in around defensive cornerstones that that really filled in, you know, big pieces of needs for their offense. Um, I thought the Forbes pick, you know, I, I wasn't in on, um, you know, I had kind of had my thought of, of what, what the NFL draft looked like and I didn't revisit uh, yesterday. And so, you know, the Forbes pick was one that was surprising to me, mostly because I just, you know, I, I think the NFL is, and I appreciate that the NFL is uh, drafting talented players, regardless of whatever, you know, size package they come with. Um, It's very shocking that, you know, I think he was weighed in at under 170 pounds, uh, which, you know, was shocking you know, for a cornerback, but especially because I know that the 
you know, Seattle mold of the big, strong physical corners, you know, has really been something a lot of teams have gravitated towards. But, you know, as there's a lot of svelte um, and jittery and, and sudden and quick um, wide receivers finding their ways and offenses catering roles around these talented players like Devontae Smith or, you know, players will we'll just talk about right now, you know, or right after this with, um, you know, flowers and, and with Addison and, and maybe downs tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I, I am really interested to see if this is, you know, uh, a very creative counter to, you know, where the NFL has gone in the last few years. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on there with that take. It, it's going to be very interesting to kind of see, this shift and a guy like Forbes might be a little bit of that. If the league is going to be get these smaller, faster, quicker, wide receivers, then we're going to be open, more open to smaller cornerbacks in terms of whether it's frame, whether it's, whether it's height, and we're going to mix and match, you know, and if a team has a, a tall corner, well, we'll, we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll have one taller guy, one smaller guy, or one guy with a little bit less, you know, in terms of weight and, and, and frame to them to kind of combat that, right? That little, you do this, we zig, we zag to, to try to combat that. And I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing going on right here. So let's jump right back into it because really the fantasy fund, besides the running backs, really got started here. Uh, at pick 20, the Seahawks select Jackson Smith and the Jigba, the pair with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean, that is a trio that really complements each other perfectly. Uh, Geno Smith, I mean, if there's any doubts that he might regress a little bit, with, with that offensive grouping and, you know, Kent Walker, he is set up to have extreme success. Uh, we don't need to get into Smith and the Jigba, best route runner in the draft class, the movement skills, you know, the understanding of route concepts, all that stuff. Chargers make a little bit of a surprise pick. It had seen the, the tea leads for the last couple of weeks had sounded like Quinton Johnson was going to fall out of round one. Concerns, you know, about does he play up to his size, the drop issue. Uh, but he went there. So the Chargers, the Chargers add him to the mix there with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, clearly they... Most people thought they might be looking for one of the smaller guys. Instead, they they look for the guy that if he puts it all together, might have the highest ceiling of any wide receiver in this class. Uh, but he he he's a little bit of a unfinished product. Uh, Twenty two, the Ravens select Zay Flowers. Um, great athleticism, speed, burst, explosion. He's got movement skills, separation, quickness. You know, weapon at all three levels of the field of these smaller guys. He's shown the ability to play most on the outside, which is what really fascinated me about him in terms of the Giants. And, you know, right before the Giants, they started these four wide receivers to go off the board. I think if Zay was there, he would have been the pick. And then at 23, the Vikings like Jordan Addison. I think it was Michael Silver and a couple other people said that if they if Jordan Addison was on the board for the Giants, they were almost 100% certain he was going to be the pick. So clearly they, they were probably, you know, a little bit disappointed that this is how it went off the board uh addison another guy can win at all three levels of the field did not have the the kindest pre-draft process you know he came in lighter than expected he ran slower than expected uh but he's a guy that had great production in college showed the ability to win at all three levels uh i think his play speed is, is better than his time speed uh really refined player and i think that's uh, Putting him in that offense, I think he's going to be fun to watch uh, because he's not going to be the, the he's not going to be asked to be the guy, the alpha, right? That's obviously going to be Justin Jefferson. So it's going to be fascinating to kind of see him in that offense. Uh, so Jeff, why don't we kind of pause there for a second and, and talk about that? You know, the foursome there of wide receivers from Smith and Jigba to Quinton Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. Maybe quick thoughts, favorite landing spot or two. Are you surprised with any of the, the landing spots? Are you surprised they went? You know, all of them kind of had needs at wide receiver, so it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but anything there surprised you? And if not, maybe what's your favorite uh, spot or two in terms of landing? Yeah, maybe, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba in Seattle was potentially my my biggest surprise. One that he wasn't picked a little bit earlier. I, you know, he had some good connections in you know in the the teens. Um, you know, and, and maybe that kind of threw New York for a loop too. You know, if they're sitting there, they, they think they have a trade up to 24, you know, there's four wide receivers up there with round one grades. And if, you know, they just have to make sure that not all of them go ahead of them. And uh, unfortunately, like I think they were the, you know, the 
the they were the one lost with without a chair in, in this um you know round one of wide receivers there will be you know plenty of other um spots for them to attack in this draft especially starting tomorrow um i think maybe the most surprising would be quinton johnston you know we are fans of his traits um I do think there were are enough questions around his game that, you know, the concerns of him not falling out of day one were were warranted. Um, and so having, you know, having the draft capital and and a landing spot with Justin Herbert, I think is is great from a fantasy lens. You know, it's he's I you know, in my mind, he's kind of just gonna fill in, you know, when they're move on from Mike Williams, right? It it kind of feels like a redundant role there for them. You know, maybe they try to find, you know, more schemed out plays to get him into the open field and, and breaking tackles, which is kind of something he was pretty good at. And and maybe then work on on some of the finer points of the game, you know, as he studies from Keenan Allen, like the one of the best route runners in the NFL. Um, I think maybe the only I love Jordan Addison, you know, I think Smith and Jigba puts a great trio. I think you guys said that really well. I think I might be out on a limb here, but I actually really like Zay Flowers to Baltimore. Like I actually, I think that's a phenomenal landing spot, and I, I don't think anybody else is really sharing my view there. I, I mean, we didn't mention it at the top, but you know, Lamar's locked in now. He got his contract. He's he's there in Baltimore for five years. He's going to be there with Zay Flowers for five years. Um, as much of a Rashad Bateman fan as I am, like there are serious questions on whether he can actually lead a receiving core. Um, I know they have Mark Andrews there, but you know, they're going to need, you know, threats on the perimeter. And I think Zay Flowers can be a phenomenal player for them. And I think he can step in and immediately earn targets, you know, with just the savvy and the route running that he has and his technique. Um, He's such a polished player. I think landing in Baltimore is is just a phenomenal spot, and I'm actually really excited for um, his path to to growth into a um, a pretty productive wide receiver. Yeah, I think I think Bateman's time in Baltimore might not be for very long. I still think Baltimore, if they really are trying to appease. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he said he wanted Odell and DeAndre Hopkins. Is that still in the works? Maybe. I'm not going to say it's impossible because you could still put Hopkins and Beckham on the outside, Zay on the inside, move him in OBJ around. You know, you could even send Bateman back in the deal, maybe like if you know for to Arizona, you know, to some type of deal. Uh, So I I don't think it's crazy that Hopkins could still be on the move to Baltimore. And I and I do agree with you. I think Zay fits what they want, right? They've they've tried to get production out of Devin Duvernay, so he's basically a dramatically improved version. That that of uh, uh, Duvernay, he's got inside outside versatility, and they're just stockpiling weapons there to to try to you know improve that offense there. You know, so I, I'm intrigued with the pick there. Uh, I think Addison in Minnesota makes a lot of you know. I think the fit there is really strong, and I think the question mark there is what's the quarterback situation look like after this year, right? That's the that's the unknown about Jordan Addison. We know you know Kirk Cousins this year, but I don't see any scenario where Cousins is is the quarterback next year. So I think that's the kind of the interesting flavor there. I'm surprised. I'm right there with you. Quinton Johnson was the one that surprised me the most there. Uh, I thought they were actually going to maybe go Dalton Kincaid or uh, Flowers or Addison. So I was a little bit surprised uh, if they wanted a true speedster, which I think would have paired well with Justin Herbert. Then I, if I was going to go a little bit off the reservation, I would have taken Jalen Hyatt there for for the Chargers uh, ahead of Quinton Johnston. But a lot of people like Quinton Johnston. I was a little bit lower on him. Uh, but we'll see, you know, obviously he's now attached to a great young quarterback there. Let me round this out. I'll go rapid fire the rest of the way, and then you can pick and choose your spots on, on what you want to talk about. Giants trade up one spot, and from everything the Giants beat writers were saying, while they were very into the wide receivers, and I think Zay or Addison could have just might as well might have been the pick if they were there, I heard that the number one cornerback that they were targeting that thought might fall, but they thought he would probably be gone was Deontay Banks. He was Wink Martindale's number one cornerback in this draft class from from everything that I was able to gather over the last couple of weeks. They showed pictures of the Giants' war room after he was picked, and Martindale was absolutely stoked. He literally gave the GM a bear hug uh, because this is the guy he wanted, the, the 
elite, elite level athleticism, RAS score of 9.99. We're talking about a guy that elite vertical jump, elite broad jump, elite 40 time, uh, great size, great athleticism, burst, uh, Physical press man corner, exactly what Wink Marndale wants to scheme. I saw multiple people on Twitter comp him to uh, uh, Marlon Humphrey, which obviously Wink coached in Baltimore. Uh, Giants would sign up for that. It did cost a five and a seven to move up. I was a little disappointed they had to give up that five. I was hoping it was like a six and a seven to move up that one spot. But it was to me what it tells you, and maybe we're seeing this, Joey Porter didn't go tonight. The Giants must have had a clear distinction between Deontay Banks and Joey Porter in terms of their grades, that they were willing to give up that five and the seven to move up one pick to solidify him. A guy they said they had a clear round one grade on, and they said there wasn't many left after the wide receiver run happened. Uh, at 25, the Bills trade up and take Dalton Kincaid. Uh, good athleticism, movement skills, speed, separation, quickness, great body control. For me, his best attribute is how good he is at the catch point, his body control, his ability to adjust, his ball skills, uh, he still doesn't fit the profile as the pass catching tight end in round one. He's not an elite level athlete, but he's going to add a new dynamic. I think they're going to basically use him just as their slot wide receiver. I don't think, you know, I don't think for fantasy this helps Dawson Knox, but I still think they are high on Dawson Knox. I think they think of Kincaid as more of their slot guy. They, everyone said they were looking for a slot wide receiver. I think you're going to see Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs on the outside, Kincaid and Knox on the field a lot, where Kincaid mostly is just playing the slot position, but it'll be designated a tight end. Uh, at 26, let me see, 26, the Cowboys select Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. Great size and frame, great run stuffer. Uh, was on Bruce Feldman's freak list last year as a number one freak. So this, he's going to add a run stuffing presence for Dallas. But a lot of people think there's some untapped upside there in terms of his athleticism. Uh, Jaguars, after the Cam Robinson news that he's going to be suspended, they do a double trade back. They pick up a four, a five, and a seven, and they get the guy I think they were going to take a 24 anyway in Anton Harrison, the clear fifth best tackle in this class. Very young player, very raw, but high, high ceiling with great athleticism. Uh, I think that was a really good pick by Jacksonville. I know Brandon Thorne loved the pick, and he's as good as an O-line evaluator uh, as there is out there. 28, the Bengals select Miles Murphy. Surprised they didn't go Michael Mayer, to be honest with you. Uh, but this is their prototype, just like Carlos Dunlap. Miles Murphy, it's like a Carlos Dunlap clone. Great size, good athleticism, movement skills, great length, great play strength. Prototypical four free defensive end who can play to run and rush to passer. Uh, Saints select uh, Byron Bracey out of Clemson, former big-time number one recruit, elite first year in college, then injury, some off-the-field stuff, the loss of his sister kind of uh, made his evaluation process very tricky for people, but he's got a world of talent. The Saints like those bigger defensive linemen that you can move around and do different things with. He's got great length, good use of his hands. He can generate pass rush, but also play to run well and high-level athleticism. The Eagles continue to bother me as a Giants fan, and they sit there and take the guy they were thinking about taking at 10 if, if Jalen Carter wasn't there, and they get him at 30, Nolan Smith. They just continue to stockpile Georgia Bulldogs from one of the best defenses in the history of college football last year. Uh, undersized 3-4 edge, but great athleticism, movement skills, agility, and speed. Great bend off the edge, first-step explosionist. Basically, they have a new Hassan Reddick on the other side, and it's going to be hard to stop. And then Kansas City at pick 31, uh, select edge rusher Felix Onuke Uzuma, uh, 4-3 DE, 3-4 edge rusher. He's got starter traits in terms of his athleticism, his movement skills, his first step quickness and bend off the edge. Good length, use of hands as well. A little bit of a surprise first round pick, uh, but I think they really were targeting Will McDonald. And then when McDonald came off way earlier to the Jets, I think maybe they had targeted this. There was some rumors that they were a lot of teams were trying to get up into that pick, but it's, it's clear the Chiefs had targeted wanting to get a pass rusher and they stayed tight uh, and made him the pick. Jeff, any thoughts there? The Kincaid is obviously the offensive kind of, you know, intri- intriguing one there. Michael Mayer not going is, I think, is some intrigue. Uh, and we could even talk about Will Levis. Yeah. 31 picks up, 31 picks down. Will Levis is still there. I think we're starting to see there was a lot of smoke. A lot of people, a lot of teams might have been using Will Levis to kind of get other teams off their scent. And it's clear that the, the league was not nearly as high on him. We could kind of mark one up for draft Twitter. Draft Twitter was saying for a while he didn't deserve to be around one pick. Draft Twitter won on this one. 
Yeah. So, you know, my cousin's a big Bills fan. He, you know, we were leading up to pick, they, they traded up, you know, he's, he actually works the draft uh, for NFL and, you know, Kincaid, he's like, I'd love Kincaid here. I'd love Kincaid here. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, part of it is to fill that slot role. You know, I just do think he can, you know, in that offense, he, he can be a playmaker, uh, maybe not on the, the elite tight end, you know, Mark Andrews level, but for a, for an offense, you know, for, you know, for how, you know, for how to balance, you know, an NFL product on the field, you know, I think he's, he's a great pick for them um, and a really creative way to address a, address a need. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the steal of the draft came on, came at the end here with, you know, with the Eagles. <laughs> um I, I mean, being a 49ers fan and knowing they knocked us out of the playoffs, it doesn't make me very happy either. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, what you going to do? Um, <laughs> but but even then, like, we might see other players like Miles Murphy, like Brian Breesey come out and, you know, and actually be, um, you know, staples for, you know, for several years for their teams. You know, I think these are, are really interesting picks and, you know, well well made for the NFL rosters. Maybe to just speak to, you know, Will Levis, you know, I I, I feel bad because, you know, we I, I want I want players to to, you know, they, this is their dream. I want them to do well. You know, I think there is a path for Will Levis to do well, but you know, we spent all year talking about how we just don't see it with the hype. You know, I think we're on board. Uh, you know, I was shocked because I'm pretty sure I had bought into that that the NFL was, you know, someone in the NFL wanted him. Um, and, you know, and I think this is just kind of kind of the the Drew Locke experience with uh, with Levis, and it, we'll see. I, I don't know that there's you know when he when he fell out of the teens and 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 past New England, who's rumored to get be moving on for Mac Jones and past Washington, who I can't believe are, you know, going through with, with Sam Howell still um, without even considering an upgrade. You know, I, I think there's going to be a place for him, um, you know, early tomorrow. I think he's going to be able to find a home. We've, we've got Atlanta there that, you know, I think, I know they've, they've probably built an offense and sort of, pledge their direction to Desmond Ritter, but I think they can do better as well. And, and as much of a critic as, as I was for Will Levis, you know, I think he can be improvements for teams, uh, current teams, quarterback situations. And, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, hopefully him finding a good landing spot that way. Um, was there anybody else that you wanted to talk about that, you know, Oh, Michael Mayer, maybe um, there's a, there's a lot of tight ends that, um, you know, fell out too. You know, we, we had, once only just a couple of weeks ago said that we might have, um, you know, four tight ends make it into round one. I think we'll see them go pretty quick as well. You know, Levis and these tight ends, you know, they'll be going on day two. They'll probably be going round two. There'll probably be a run of them. Like we saw with the receivers, especially with tight end needy teams like Dallas, like Cincinnati, you know, I think they're just, I think those teams were just, you know, when, when Buffalo jumped, they, they picked up Kincaid, the top tight end off the board for most teams. You know, I think they just realized that there's like another sweet spot for them to be able to attack this position with other players that they're comfortable getting. And, you know, tight end is, you know, from a contract position, somewhat like running back. It's just, you they don't demand the type of big dollars that tackles, that, that edges, that quarterbacks, that receivers will, will get. And so you know, the analytics movement, you know, has, has sort of made their point about running backs and, and they're moving on to the tight end position and they're trying to make that same point for the tight ends. Let's circle back. I want to talk about Will Levis for a second there. I'm interested to see where he goes because I could see a scenario where he falls further, right? If it, I don't think the Lions are, are going to go there. You know, I know they were thought to maybe be in on the Anthony Richardson and stuff like that, you know, so maybe the Raiders, I don't, I think the Falcons have kind of like, they've set their team up now for Desmond Ritter offense. So I don't think they're going there. So I think the Raiders are of intrigue. Uh, 
would Seattle just make the pick and put him behind Geno Smith? It's possible. I don't think so. I almost wonder if it's going to be a team later on, like does Tampa Bay come up again? And then maybe they're the team that looks to make, you know, that play. Does Minnesota think about maybe making a trade up and getting him in the building to see if he could be their guy? So, you know, I think we're starting to see though is, if teams don't really value you as like a, a true potential star quarterback, I think teams are, are more willing to let these guys fall. We saw it last year. Now we saw it again with Will Levis. And this year, I think we were all duped. By last year, we kind of knew Pickett might be the only one outside chance Malik Willis. But even as we got closer to the draft, there was still some uncertainty. Most people had Willis if he was going at the end of the round. Levis, I don't think anyone thought this was a realistic scenario. He was still in most people's mocks at four, at 11. Like most people thought Tennessee's another one that could be interesting tomorrow for Will Levis, right? It, maybe they didn't value him at 11, but do they take a chance? And then I always go back to, well, if you want, if you think he's your guy, wouldn't they have taken him at 11 over Skaronsky? You know, we, once upon a time, we saw Denver pass on Drew Locke twice yeah. and then take him. You know, so it's always one of those interesting scenarios. So we'll see. I think that'll be interesting. And yeah, I think I think what we realized is the media was hyping up maybe the tight ends a little bit more. And I kept coming back to it. I thought they were a really good, strong class. But I also didn't think that we see how hard it is to transition to tight end position. We see usually you have to be a really special prospect to go in round one. And I think we were thought the wide receiver group was going to be down, and it was a little down, but we still got four, right? They weren't early, but it was still four in the in like 20 to 23 range there. So I think maybe people were maybe thinking less wide receivers, more tight ends. It ended up being more status quo than, than, than we thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, and I thought that was a little bit of a surprise. I thought Mayer's a second round pick, so he belongs in the second round. To me, so like I, I think that's the right right decision there. So it's going to be fun. Uh, a little bit of receipts check here for the draft projections notebook. Kind of excited about this one, to be honest with you, because this was as unpredictable as a draft. Uh, we nailed twenty seven out of thirty one. That's eighty seven percent in this uncertainty of a class. The you know getting guys like Will McDonald, getting guys like Anton Harrison and Maze Smith. I think those were probably the three and uh, and up Rojamir Gibbs in there, but that was kind of a late, he was getting a lot of buzz. Those were the four that not every mock draft had. So Gibbs, uh, Anton Harrison, Maze Smith, and Will McDonald were probably the four that I was most excited that I nailed. Uh, thought Will Levis was a lock, missed that. Thought Michael Mayer was a lock, missed that. Thought Joey Porter Jr. and Brian Branch mm-hmm. were a lock. So four guys, four that I felt pretty confident about. Those were none of these would have been four that I thought I could have missed out on. I thought if I was going to miss out on it, would have been the ones I mentioned, like Antoine Harris, Mozzie Smith, Will McDonald, uh, or Jameer Gibbs. Uh, instead, it was four that I felt pretty confident about. But I'll take 27 out of 31, 87 percent. Uh, always a number I like to see. And then for me, my favorite number is trying to nail the top 102 or whatever that, you know, every year changes slightly in terms of the first three rounds. So we'll see how we do tomorrow in that. I'm excited for tomorrow. A lot of players, uh, a lot of skilled players are going to go off the board tomorrow. I think we'll see, obviously, Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. Uh, we'll see Charbonnet. We'll see Devin A. Chain. Kendry Miller's going tomorrow, whether people want to believe it or not. Uh, Roshan Johnson should as well. Potentially Israel Abaconda. I don't think we're going to hear Tajay Spears tomorrow, unfortunately. The injuries seem really serious. I was talking to someone on Twitter today and they were like, no way he's going day two. And I said, I don't think he is. Bob McGinn, you know, his great draft series, basically sources told him one of his knees doesn't have an uh, ACL anymore. Like it's literally mm. like gone. So like, I think he's going way more on, on day three now. Uh, unfortunately, wide receivers, we'll see Jalen Hyde early tomorrow. We'll see Josh Downs early tomorrow. You have some bigger guys in Cedric Tillman and Jonathan Mingo. And then you have that next wave of smaller guys that'll all go tomorrow. Tank Dow, Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott, and Jaden Reed. Tight end, you already mentioned it. We're going to see Mayer early, Musgrave early, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta. All might be four tight ends might go in the first 15, 20 picks tomorrow. And then also probably Tucker Craft, Luke Shoemaker, Brenton Strange. Uh, a lot of good offensive linemen. A couple of the best, all the good centers are left out there. Uh, Matthew Bergeron's really talented. Cody Mock, uh, Steve Avilia, Dewan Jones, the monster, massive right tackle. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, Tommy Adebore at a Northwestern, he's going to go early. Keon Benton, Keon White was, dra- was was invited to the draft. Unfortunately, he didn't get picked, so he must have been in the waiting room there, uh, you know, with Will Levis. Uh, 
other edge rushers that should come off the board tomorrow early. Uh, Derek Hall, BJ Ojolari, Isaiah Foskey, uh, Tuli Tulopidu. Uh, those are the guys that I think will come off the board early. No other linebackers tonight except Jack Campbell. So Drew Sanders, Trenton Simpson, one of my favorites, Dan Henley, all come off the board tomorrow. Kaylee Ringo, he'll probably go to the Eagles since they just keep collecting <laughs> Georgia products. Uh, he'll come off the board early. DJ Turner will come off the board real early. So will Joey Porter and Brian Branch. Uh, safety position, you'll have Jartavius Quan Martin, one of my favorite players in this class. He'll come off. Clark Phillips, uh, the nickelback uh, out of Utah. Darius Rush, Riley Moss. Sydney Brown, a lot of a lot of talented defensive backs tomorrow. Really strong defensive back class. Uh, I think it's as arguably as strong a day two class as I remember. I, I think day two is really strong tomorrow, and it's strong pretty much across the board. Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, defensive backs, edge rushers. I think it's, I think it's a really. I thought tonight lacked a lot of star power and a lot of high end talents. But I think a lot of guys tomorrow are, are really good players. I think it's as strong a day two as we've seen in quite some time. So excited. I'll, I'll be wire to wire covering again on Twitter. Uh, podcast after rounds two and three conclude tomorrow night. Uh, make sure you're checking out you know, my Twitter feed. Uh, reaching out any questions you may have uh, on players, fantasy. You know, Tomorrow before, during the day sometime, I'll put out my initial uh, dynasty rookie ranks for the offensive players that have been drafted so far. Always a fun exercise and modify and adapt it as more guys get picked. Jeff, any closing thoughts here? Night one of the NFL draft in the books. No, this is going to be the best day two. Like you said, it's a deep class. Um, and yeah, my, I, I always love watching, you know, seeing how well the, the top 102 do. Um, you're phenomenal at that. You know, I think you nailed it last year. Uh, I'm expecting a strong performance this year just because of your track record, but we'll we'll see how it goes. And um, yeah, follow along with us. I mean, like those notebooks, you know, get the draft notebook, follow along with day two of the draft. That's the most fun one, anyways. Uh, especially if you're a fantasy player, that's that's where most of the names that you'll you'll see are, are really coming off. And um, and you'll end up with all the draft notebooks as well, the scouting notebook. Uh, you know, we'll do the scouting notebooks for, you know, for the draft and, and for the oncoming, you know, Debbie notebooks. So, you know, might as well, right? If you're going to get those anyways, you might as well get the draft no- notebook and follow along with us. It is, you know, my favorite way to walk tr- walk through the draft, the draft as well. So, Absolutely, guys. If you're enjoying the content, if you're enjoying the content tonight, when I joined the football guys, Sig Bloom and Matt Wallman earlier, uh, please consider, uh, you know, purchasing the notebooks. It really helps us. Uh, and continues to do what we do here. So, on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you to Saturday to Sunday.